Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes their Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. 15, 15. Teams were wheeling and dealing on Sunday, shaking up their bullpens in a number of cases. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Monday, August 31st. I'm Amal here, and I am here with Michael Beller for all of the uh, trade deadline madness. Uh, yeah, busy, busy Sunday, Michael, um, and we'll get to a lot of that. Uh, but before we do, um, the latest uh, update here on the A situation. A's Astros postponed on Sunday due to a positive COVID-19 test um, in the uh, Oakland Athletics organization. Uh, The team is off on Monday. Uh, They're supposed to start a series in Seattle on Tuesday, but, um, you know, no word as of yet. So that's just going to be something that we'll have to track as we get closer to lineup lock. But obviously, um, you probably want to lean against starting uh, mm-hmm. your athletics and Mariners uh, if you um, if you have a decent alternative, I would suppose. Does uh, is that how you would handle that? Yeah, I mean everything that we've seen, right? It doesn't take a situation like the Cardinals, who had the extreme outbreak and they didn't play for you know more than two weeks. It doesn't take that for a team to sit out a few days. And the Mets had, as far as the 2020 COVID outbreaks have gone, a pretty mild one, and they still missed what like four days worth of games, uh, you know, three days worth of games, and then they had an off day, uh, so they were out for four days. Even that right there is enough. You have to assume that the A's are going to miss that much time. For me, that's enough to sit them unless you have absolutely no other options. And so you're holding out hope that you know, you'll get a weekend's worth of games out of Matt Olson or Matt Chapman or Marcus Simeon, something like that. Yeah, and you know, and I also went against some of the uh, players that I might have spent some money on fab for this week as well. Um, mm-hmm. So Sam Haggerty for uh, being an example of that. Uh, well, we got a lot of deals to get to, Michael, so let's, let's get to them. Uh, probably the... The, the biggest one was Mitch Moreland going from the Red Sox to the Padres. And um, in a concurrent um, transaction, the Red Sox called up prospect Bobby Dalbeck and he homered right away in his uh, debut game with the Red Sox. So that was pretty cool. And um, also Padres getting Jason Castro to uh, man the catcher position, sending Gerardo Reyes, the reliever, um, the other way to Anaheim. I'm just going to rattle these off, Michael, and then yeah, go ahead. Uh, we could yeah, talk about the impacts. Tommy Malone to Atlanta for a couple of players to be named later. He started on Sunday as of uh, this moment that we're talking about it. We don't have a result. That game is in progress. 
on the Orioles side, they're going to call up Keegan Aiken to take Malone's spot in the rotation, and he's going to debut on Monday against the Blue Jays. Uh, Jose Martinez going from the Rays to the Cubs for, again, two players to be named later. And the Rays called up Randy Razarena, and he played, did not start, but played on Sunday for the Rays. Michael Givens from the Orioles to the Rockies for a couple of prospects. Uh, shortstop Taron Vavra, infielder Tyler Nevin, and also a player to be named later. So those are the deals that transpired on Sunday, at least as of uh, right now. Um, so, yeah, what are what do we need to know the most here for managing fantasy this week? Um, you know, I think that the, probably the biggest news here is uh, from, from a, a fantasy actionable standpoint is probably with Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, just feels like a guy who is gettable. He homered uh, right away in his debut. And uh, Red Sox are going to be playing him, I think, pretty much every single day, not only because they've got the spot, but because why shouldn't they? They want him in the lineup every day. Let's see what they've got uh, in him for 2021 and beyond. This Red Sox team is not going to be competing for a playoff spot in the 2020 season. And, uh, you know, why not see what Dahlbeck can be? And frankly, it's not even a why not see. He's probably the best guy uh, on the roster at this point. So from a pure actionable standpoint of all these trades that have gone down to this point, that feels like the biggest news to me. Everyone else, you know, Mitch Moreland, you already emptied the fab for um, on Sunday night to get him if he if you're in an NL only league and he you know moved over to the NL. Jose Martinez, he's going to get his opportunities at DH, but I don't think it's anything more than a you know wait and watch and see how the Cubs use him and see how um, he, uh, he see how he performs in that DH role with the Cubs before you need to make a move on him. And from an actionability standpoint, it just doesn't feel like anything's out there in these trades beyond Dahlbeck. Big baseball day, not so big in the fantasy baseball world. Yeah, although you did mention the onlys, uh, NL only in particular, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of players to to speculate on. But again, as you're listening to this, you probably have already put your bids in on that right. and uh, found out whether or not you got, uh, you know, whether it's Mitch Moreland <laughs> or Tommy Malone or Jose Martinez or whoever. Uh, and another player moving, uh, changing leagues, going to the National League, Michael Givens, as mm-hmm. I mentioned just a moment ago. Uh, do you think there's any threat here to uh, who I'm presuming, and I think most people are presuming, Daniel Bard getting the bulk of the saves uh, in Denver, uh, does this change anything there? I don't think so. I, I mean, it's it's sort of a, an interesting trade from the Rockies' standpoint, right? They're in it because everyone's kind of in it, and they're you know right uh, right around five hundred there, so they could definitely use another reliable arm in the bullpen. Um, they obviously didn't give up too much to uh, to acquire Michael Givens, so I do think that this is a, a decent deal for them. But I agree. I think that. We should still be looking at this Rockies bullpen as the at least plurality of the save opportunities belonging to Daniel Bard. Maybe Givens factors in, but if I had him in a mixer, I wouldn't be uh, too cautious about letting him go. I would feel okay about that after this move. All right. Well, we've got a number of uh, bullpen situations that we need to talk about besides the Rockies, um, partially because of trades that have happened and partially because of trades that may happen uh, in the coming hours. Uh, But before we dissect all of that, we've just got a message here from one of our sponsors. All right, Michael, let's uh, do a little bit more bullpen talk here. Uh, Some rumors of Josh Hader. Being traded. In fact, not just rumors, reports that uh, the Brewers may trade Josh Hader. Um, and that's uh, obviously a huge deal. I know the Dodgers are one of the teams uh, that have been mentioned. Um, and 
if that does happen, then we've got a whole discussion there about what that does for uh, Kenley Jansen and for Hader himself. But in the meantime, should we be preparing for a life in Milwaukee without Josh Hader and get Devin Williams, who probably could help even without saves, but with saves could really have a big impact? Bingo, Al, right there. That last thing you said is why I'm for sure going after Devin Williams because even without saves, he can probably help your fantasy team and there is a realistic enough uh, chance of him getting into that closer's role, that that just makes him a slam dunk ad at this point. If it doesn't happen, then you can let him stick on your team and he's still going to help you out with Ks and ratios. My bet, my feeling is still that it's not going to happen. There's still so many pieces uh, that could be part of a winning core in Milwaukee that I think they're really going to have to be floored to give up Hader. And even though it's been a pretty active deadline to this point, um, it just feels like the sort of deal that is hard to bring together, especially for a team in Milwaukee at his, you know, right there in the, uh, in the 2020 playoff race. So I feel like the Brewers are going to be better off keeping Hader and running things back in 2021 than selling him off now. Now, of course, someone could godfather off for them and, you know, they take it and that's always in play. But either way, Devin Williams to me is someone who you want to be going after right now. Yeah. And, you know, I did frame it that way very much purposely because when I put in my fab bids on Sunday, I actually put him ahead of Gregory Soto, who got a couple of saves for the Tigers over the weekend. And we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, But, you know, just the idea that even if he doesn't get saves, I Mm -hmm. I figure I'm getting something from Devin Williams. Um, But uh, another situation that could be in flux, uh, you know, within hours is the Diamondbacks. Archie Bradley has been uh, his name has been mentioned in some trade rumors. Uh, a very different situation here because um, if Bradley is gone, there's no clear heir apparent um, in Phoenix. And the the two names that make the most sense, I'm not that excited about. Uh, Stefan Crichton, yes. who pitched the eighth um, on Sunday for the Diamondbacks and uh, left the game with a couple of base runners and then Archie Bradley couldn't strand them. Uh, and then Junior Guerra, the other one, and he pitched the seventh on Sunday. So... Uh, just as a side note, I wish Stefan Crichton had this like massive arsenal so I could, you know, do a Bill Hader and say, <laughs> this reliever has everything. But uh, he's basically a two-pitch pitcher, so so much for that joke. Anyway, Stefan Crichton, Junior Guerra, either one worth pursuing. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, we'll see if Archie Bradley gets dealt. And, you know, if you're in a weekly league, maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it already happened after um, – after your your waivers process, so you'll see what happens this week with these guys. If you're in a daily league, I'm not rushing out and picking up Crichton or picking up Junior Guerra. Uh, it just doesn't feel like the sorts of guys who are going to uh, do enough for you outside of whatever save opportunities they might get. There's no clear, obvious winner as to who is going to be that ninth inning guy. There might not be a ton of save opportunities in Arizona the rest of the season. Too many variables. They're not going to be big strikeout guys. They're probably not going to be great ratio guys. I would rather go in another direction. Like Devin Williams could get zero save opportunities the rest of the season and easily out-earn Crichton and Guerra. So, uh, no, I am not interested in either of those guys. All right, so be it. Uh, Let's move back to the Tigers then. Mentioned Gregory Soto a moment ago and not meaning to slight him at all by saying that I uh, bid more on Devin Williams than him. Uh, For saves, I think right now he's the best option. Uh, It looked like that was going to be a committee situation, but very quickly it looks like Soto has seized it. Um, Are you reading it that way or do you think there's still some uncertainty about who, who will get saves in Detroit? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to read it that way, right? Ron Gardenhire seems to be reading it that way. So I think that uh, we have to assume 
that we're going to see, um, you know, Gregory Soto be that guy in the ninth inning uh, for the Tigers. And uh, the fact that he's been able to lock down a couple of saves already over the weekend has to have you feeling pretty good about him. I would have done the same thing as you. I would have put in a higher bid on Devin Williams because of the strikeouts and the ratios. But as we're looking at these closers, Soto feels like one of the best ones you're going to be able to get your hands on. If Archie Bradley goes, I don't think anyone in Arizona is really going to be worth your time more than Soto. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal has already gone to San Diego. I don't think anyone filling the void in Kansas City is going to be a better bet than Soto. And I don't think there's going to be a ton of closer turnover with what we see after the trade deadline. So Soto does feel like one of those best bets for people who still need saves over this last month of the season. Yeah, and I agree with you on the Royals situation. Um, There was a tie game uh, in the uh, ninth inning there uh, on Sunday, and it was Greg Holland that got the call but uh, to pitch the bottom of the ninth for the Royals. But, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling comfortable that he's going to get all the saves there going forward. So um, on that note, let's talk about some standout performances from Sunday. There were quite a few, especially on the pitching side. Dade Dunning, really good again. Um, five, that's really an understatement, five no-hit yes. innings uh, against the, those Royals that we just mentioned, seven strikeouts. Um, I'm not sure where he fits in, but how how do you not keep Dane Dunning in, in the rotation at this point? I mean, that's, that's it right there, Al. I mean, after what he's done in those first two starts, how do you not keep him? And we're talking about the White Sox, too, as one of these teams that – is probably interested in some starting pitching and not necessarily because they are, you know, lacking in the rotation, but because they don't have anyone behind Giolito who is a, you know, yes, every single time he takes the mound, no doubt about it, this guy is going to be, you know, uh, totally locking down the other offense. They have a bunch of guys who do their job and then they've got Giolito who stands out. Well, Dane Dunning looks like a guy who could stand out as well. And I just don't see how they could possibly take him out of the rotation, send him back to the alternate site, whatever, after what he's done with these two starts. So if he's somehow sitting out there in your league, I'm getting him. I'm feeling very good about him because he's looked great. We know the strikeout stuff is for real. He's got an excellent offense at his back, a lot of win upside with that White Sox team. I really, really like Dunning for the rest of the season. Yeah, likewise. And um, not nearly as available, but Adam Wainwright having a nice resurgent season, capped it uh, off with a complete game victory against uh, Cleveland on uh, Sunday. And, um, you know, nice tidy ERA at this point for uh, for Adam Wainwright. Um, I mean, is he somebody that should be picked up wherever he's available? I think he sort of has to be, right? I mean, uh, the bottom could always fall out, and we've seen him have a couple of decent runs here over his last few seasons and you know, never be able to put it together for a full season. That could be what this is. But, yeah, he doesn't need to put it together for a full season in 2020. Nobody does. So I think he's shown us enough uh, to this point of the season that he probably should be owned universally. Maybe you're smart with where you start, and maybe you don't get him out there in every single outing, but he's looked great. We know the Central is the place you want to be if you are a pitcher this season. I think Adam Wainwright, definitely an easy add across the board. Uh, All right. And Taylor Clark with a good start against the Giants. Seven strikeouts in five innings, just one hit, a solo home run allowed. Uh, Griffin Canning with a good start. I know that doesn't surprise you, Michael. But uh, his opposite number in that game, Justin Dunn, a a really good start. Um, Six innings, one hit for the second time in a row, both times against the Rangers. He's had three good starts against the Rangers, really good starts against the Rangers. All of his other starts have been pretty bad, but he gets the Rangers again this week. So uh, Justin Dunn, (laughs) uh, Taylor Clark, any interest in either of them? 
you know, might, that might say more about the Rangers than it does about Justin Dunn, right? Um, streamers yeah. to me, uh, not guys who I'm excited to pick up and have on my roster, but definitely guys who can be in the stream discussion for the rest of the season. Yeah, and with Taylor Clark, it's a bit of a, a crunch there. Uh, Madison Bumgarner probably yeah. coming back soon, but maybe Robbie Ray on the way out. So uh, keep tabs on that one. And uh, not to leave the hitters out entirely, uh, three Cubs with two homer games against the Reds. But I think Jason Hayward's a really interesting one here. Oh, yeah. Swinging a lot less this year. He's got a 286, 402, 560 slash line coming out of the weekend. And basically not rostered in ESPN and Yahoo Leagues at all. Um, so, I, you know, I made a bid on him in a 12-teamer this weekend. Mm-hmm. And he is crushing, absolutely crushing right-handed pitching this season. Almost all that damage that you mentioned uh, has come against righties. He is absolutely uh, one of the best players. I mean, he, he it's been really him, Ian Happ, and Anthony Rizzo who have been the consistent hitters for the Cubs this season. And if you go back to last year, Al, you know, people probably don't remember, but a decent enough season last year, 251, 343, 429. Uh, he hit 21 homers for the Cubs last season. They did not have a bad year last year, and it was really just one disastrous run, run when they tried him in the leadoff spot for a month that brought the batting average in the OBP way down uh, from where it was the rest of the year. So I think we've really been seeing this for Jason Hayward for the better part of, you know, like seven months worth of baseball. Now, if you go back to all of last year and then the first month of this season, I'm buying yeah, and that's some great context uh, from last year as well. Uh, just a couple of quick notes as you're putting together your rotations. Um, if you've got Michael Pineda stashed or if you uh, were had enough foresight to pick him up over the weekend, he is scheduled to make his season debut against the White Sox this Tuesday, of course, coming off of the drug suspension. And the Rays looking to get Charlie Morton off of the injured list and back in their rotation either Tuesday or Wednesday this week against the Yankees. And just one more thing to help you out uh, for this weekend and beyond uh, our featured read from Gene McCaffrey, Stockwatch targeting second half sleepers using sweet spot percentage. And you know what? Jason Hayward, one of the players he highlights. There, there. you so go. We're all on board. <laughs> we're all on board with Jason Hayward. And uh, we're all on board with uh, wrapping up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Tuesday. 